the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Wednesday, September the 27th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. Today in 1779, John Adams was named by Congress to negotiate the Revolutionary War's peace terms with Britain. Today in 1825, the first locomotive to haul a passenger train was operated by George Stephenson in England. I thought you should know that. Today in 1928, the United States said it was recognizing the nationalist Chinese government. We should all know that. Today in 1939, Warsaw, Poland surrendered after weeks of resistance to invading forces from Nazi Germany and the Soviet Union. That would have been during World War II. Today, in 1964, the government publicly released the report of the Warren Commission, which concluded that Lee Harvey Oswald had acted alone in assassinating President John F. Kennedy. Millions of Americans don't believe that. Today, in 1979, Congress gave its final approval to forming the U.S. Department of Education, one of the great mistakes in our history, in my opinion. We should not have a U.S. Department of Education. It only functions as a center and a collective for activists. Today in 1994, more than 350 Republican congressional candidates gathered on the steps of the U.S. Capitol. They signed the Contract with America with Newt Gingrich, who became Speaker of the House. It was a 10-point platform. They pledged to enact if voters would send a GOP majority to the House. Very wise move on the part of Newt Gingrich and others that were involved with him. Republican hopefuls will hold their second presidential debate tonight in California at Ronald Reagan Library. But the party's runaway frontrunner, Scandal-plagued, yes, he is. Former President Donald Trump, he will reduce them to a sideshow, some press people are saying today, by snubbing the event. He's not going again. He said he doesn't need to. Trump says he's skipping the debates, usually a key staple of presidential nomination contests, because he has no need to waste time on his distant challengers. That sounds like Trump. Instead, he said he will meet with auto industry workers in the battleground state of Michigan tonight. The industry is in turmoil, with President Joe Biden visiting striking union members yesterday, but some of them were telling him they didn't want him there. Of course, the press didn't cover that, but some press did, but generally the press didn't. I heard part of a, of a video, the audio of it, where guys were actually saying, it's not helpful for you to be here, Mr. President. Trump is expected to make an address at a non-unionized plant tonight. Just under 60% of Republican primary voters in a new NBC News poll say Trump is their top choice 
among all of these people, uh, Republicans, that are running for the presidency. That's astounding. There's many people just can't quite figure that out. But that's the numbers. That's the facts at this point. DeSantis is trailing at 16%. Trump is right at 60% of Republican voters. The next is DeSantis trailing at 16%. None of the other candidates have even achieved double figures. Millions and billions of dollars are flowing in in this upcoming presidential uh, election. There's people, there are people on the Republican, so-called Republican or conservative side that are spending as much or more money than they ever have trying to eliminate Trump and they just can't seem to do it. We'll have to watch this closely and see what God is doing with all of this. But boy, it's it's an interesting time. It's I've read a lot about our history and I, I think many of you have as well. And I haven't seen anything quite like this except for the time during Abraham Lincoln's presidency in the Civil War and so on. This is an unusual time in our history, for sure. Victor Davis Hanson, a guy whom I uh, have a great deal of trust in, he's brilliant, he's consistently conservative and um, smart, very smart. And he's a man of the people. He's kind of a blue-collar guy who is highly educated, Grew up on a farm. He still lives on that farm, as a matter of fact, in uh, in California. He wrote this morning. He posted it on social media. He said, all of a sudden, pundits are shrieking as they imagine the impending end of democracy. They use that term a lot. He quotes them here. That is, Victor Davis Hanson says, that is that a potential President Trump might follow their lead and could do to them what they're trying to do to him weaponizing the DOJ, FBI, and CIA against political enemies, sicking the administrative state against loud critics, using presidential fiats to override Congress, trying to force, hire, or partner with independent media to tow party lines, floating phony conspiracy theories to smear enemies, changing voting laws to alter balloting, and on and on. Victor Davis Hanson says, ironically, the left did all it could uh, both to push the Trump nomination, then as as Lilliputans to try to tie him down, and 91 indictments in efforts to hamstring what they hoped would soon be an intent nominee. But now they seem terrified, believing that might be empowering the only Republican candidate who would stoop to use their own tactics against them. Given the recent polls, that could become a pit he could have the position to do so. Very, very interesting. It's very true. The thing that they fear most now is not necessarily the policies that Trump would put in place, but it would be the actions that he would take should he be elected president. As Victor Davis Hanson points out, the left is petrified that he'll get elected and do the same thing they're doing to him to them. Would he do that? I don't know what he would do. But I know the left is running scared. There's no question about that. What did you hear that Target announced yesterday that they're closing nine of their stores in four states because of theft, organized retail crime and worker safety? 
these nine stores are going to close on October 21st. This isn't just something they're floating out there. I think I think their sales have been hurt through their idiocy on this LGBTQ, AI, blah, 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 whatever. I think on that whole thing, I think they were hurt. I think a lot of Christians just simply don't go to Target. They're not necessarily boycotting. They just don't go there. It's not organized. It's just a preference. And they try to go somewhere else, although the Target stores have, of course, a lot of things that are priced right and are that people need and so on. But in a press release, the company said the difficult decision to close these nine stores in four states was made to protect workers and customers. They said, quote, we know that our stores serve an important role in their communities, but we can only be successful if the working and shopping environment is safe for all. The company said it previously had invested heavily in crime prevention strategies at the affected stores. They said, despite our efforts, unfortunately, we continue to to face fundamental challenges to operating these stores safely and successfully. The stores that are going to close, interestingly enough, is a, a New York City store in Harlem, two stores in Seattle, three stores in San Francisco and Oakland, and three stores in Portland, Oregon. It's interesting where the worst cases, at least relating to Target, are located. All of them on the West Coast, except for the one in Harlem. It's interesting. Not surprising. Not surprising at all. Have you ever noticed that the left always removes boundaries like our southern border, and so on. And then they're surprised at the consequences. They're always treating crime without any boundaries, without any consequences. They laugh about it. Jenny Durkin, former mayor of Seattle, she laughed about it when it was CHOP was happening and so on. She called it a summer of love. I think what, I think that's what she said at the time. Others do. They kind of laugh about it and they go, well, these, you know, activists will be activists and, you know, Criminals will be criminals or whatever. I mean, they don't have any sense that there's going to be real consequences. And at some point, and it's usually years later, all of a sudden they wake up and they then they want to become the, the banner carriers of the people who are trying to solve all these community problems. And nobody ever pauses and says, wait a minute, this guy's trying to solve, or this woman is trying to solve the problems of our community. They're the ones that created the problems. And they just keep rolling and keep rolling, and these people resign, and they say, I'm not going to run for office anymore. We're getting a lot of that here in the Northwest, in both Oregon and Washington now. Unfortunately, those constituents in those cities turn around and vote someone very similar to the one that created all the problems into office under the guise of, They'll have better ideas and we'll solve this problem. They don't have better ideas because they're locked into a cultural Marxism and a kind of progressivism, so-called, that is destructive. And they never have better ideas. And this becomes perpetual in its decay and destruction in our communities. Sometimes people just throw up their hands and they say, man, you know, I, who needs this? And they moved to other states. It's happening. In fact, Idaho, they took a took a poll in Idaho. I saw it yesterday. I didn't study it, but I glanced at it. And Idaho is, uh, this, this survey that was taken, 
a high percentage. I don't want to quote a number because I, I don't remember what it was. I read a lot of stuff yesterday, but it was a, a high number. I mean, it was above 50%. In Idaho, say they, they would like to somehow stop people from moving there and uh, because they're moving there so much because of the conservative climate. And there are other states that are experiencing that as well. It's interesting how when you look at the problems and you look past the problems at the root causes of them, I mean, that are just apparent to all of us normal people out here, little people trying to live our lives and serve the Lord and whatever. When you look at it, it comes down to just a few principles. Our founding fathers understood that. We seem to still be struggling with that in too many situations in our communities, in our country. White House has announced kind of quietly, but it got into the news that now they have set a a mission. I mean, they called it a mission to be sure that President Biden doesn't trip and fall down during this campaign season. Those are their words. He's now coming out of Air Force One, not down that long flight of stairs, kind of a double. There's a long flight and then a little platform and then another long flight of stairs. That airplane, the 747, they're huge. And it's a long walk down those stairs if, you know, if you're impaired. And he's fallen numerous times and has been on camera when he did. So now they have him coming out of the back of the plane on a much shorter uh, set of stairs. And yesterday... He tripped coming down those stairs. He caught himself. He didn't hurt himself. And I'm glad he didn't. I mean, honestly, I feel sorry for him. I think a lot of people do. But he did trip coming down that short flight of stairs. And he grabbed the handrail and he he didn't fall. But he could have. He probably will. Because he's decaying and declining very, very quickly before the eyes of America. And the, the Democrats are in, I mean, they're in full alert, but they don't know what to do with Kamala Harris. They don't know how to dispose of her because they do not, they know she's not qualified to be president and she wouldn't win an election anyway. And they don't know what to do with her. I mean, that's my take on what's happening right now. And I think the big discussion is not whether Joe Biden should be the the candidate in the general election for presidency, but it's how do we get rid of Kamala, that's just my opinion, but it's founded in a lot of research. How do we get rid of Kamala? Because everybody knows she she doesn't have what it takes to be president. And she wouldn't win an election, any election. She couldn't even win among her own. She couldn't even stay in the primary long enough to, to the get to the primaries in her own state. So that's where they are, and that's where we are as a nation today. And then we find out, and we hear this. Just over one-third of Democrat voters think Americans are too free, according to a poll released Friday, not by the Republican Party, but by Real Clear Politics, which is not a conservative organization. The questions they ask do not lean conservative, they lean more toward the progressive or the the left. And um, they did this poll. The survey found that 34% of Democrat voters believe Americans possess too much freedom. That's a quote. They think that we have too much freedom. But 
stunningly, to me at least, 14.6% of Republican voters agreed. What's the matter with these people? Although an overwhelming portion of U.S. voters believe that freedom of speech protections are beneficial, 52% of Democrat voters believe it's important that the government be able to censor users and content on social media platforms that it feels, the government feels, threaten national security. So we ask ourselves, who decides what threatens national security? Well, our institutions, our Department of Defense, our Department of Justice, and so on. Really? Are we really letting freedom ring today in America? I don't think so. The concept of free speech dates back to the 5th century. That's when they first started having the conversation about it. 5th century in in B.C. in ancient Greece. It was codified in Americans' founding documents on December the 15th, 1791, with the ratification of the Bill of Rights. That's how deeply embedded, how deeply involved in this whole idea of free speech America is and has been. We were birthed on that idea. Biblical principles and values and freedom of speech, freedom of expression, freedom of the press. Whether we like the press or not, I don't like them, but they have a right to freedom. They don't have a right to mislead the public, but they do. We just have to learn to be informed and reject what we see in the, in the press that we, don't, we know is wrong or we know is biased or whatever. But to, but to eliminate freedom of speech? My real concern is not so much conversation in the public square or at the football game on Friday night. My real concern is how this impacts the gospel of Jesus Christ. Paul wrote in Romans chapter 1, Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated under the gospel of God. Concerning the son, his son Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead, by whom we have received grace and apostleship from, for obedience to the faith among all nations, for his name, among whom are ye also the called of Jesus Christ. And in verse 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God, the power of God unto salvation, everyone that believeth, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. He goes on to lay out his credentials, not his his educational credentials, but his spiritual credentials. And then in verse 21, <clears throat> He says, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations. Their foolish heart was darkened. Professing them to be wise, they became fools. And changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, into birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things, talking about idols and things that they worshipped. And we still do, in many cases. 
Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the through the lusts of their own hearts, to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this cause God gave them up unto their vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, burned in their lusts toward one another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves the recompense of their heir, which is meat. That's the Bible. Do you know that we are a breath away, hopefully, from me being arrested? for saying those kinds of things publicly? That's where we are. That's what this is all about. Certainly it has a a piece of this has to do with winning elections. It's political. But there is a spiritual dynamic to all of this that's going on when when a, a percentage, a large percentage of Americans say we feel that Americans possess too much freedom. That cuts right to the heart of the, of the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. How can you go into all the world and preach the gospel if you can't say it out loud and print it and broadcast it on Christian radio stations or otherwise, wherever you can find a voice and a microphone? That's where we are. The survey found that 34% of Democrat voters believe Americans possess, quote, too much freedom. That's not extrapolated from other things they said. They said that in the poll. Is that really about national security or is it about activating policies that most Americans would not approve if they knew and they understood the impact of the policy? Is it really just about silencing opposition or defeating political opponents? It certainly is about that, but that's not all it's about. It's from the spirit of darkness. About those strongholds that need to be pulled down, destroyed. Over half of Democratic voters also believe that government censorship takes precedence over social media users being able to post content they feel, are in the national interest. In contrast, one-third of of Republicans also hold that belief. That's hard for me to swallow, to be very honest with you. I mean, why would a Republican believe that the government should have the authority to preside over social media? Social media is a, a wart, as far as I'm concerned. But it's useful when it's used for the gospel, when it's used for family members staying together and so on. But I'm not a big fan of social media. I mean, people are spend their whole life on that. I mean, all day, every day. They take their phone to bed with them so they can, when it pings, they can see who said what. I, I understand the value of it. I see that. But man, this means if you disagree with the transgender movement, it's barbaric transgender surgeries. You disagree with the fact that the activist so-called redefinition of marriage is wrong, biblically. If you disagree with the abortion agenda, 
the replacing of education with social indoctrination in public schools or believe in biblical principles and values with which the left disagrees, you are expressing hate in today's environment. You are a hateful person. If you express those views, biblical views, publicly, and we all know we have to crack down on hate speech. That's the narrative. Hate speech cannot be allowed. The Democrats believe that the government should censor speech. And there's a segment of Republicans that go along with that, conservatives, supposedly. James Madison, the drafter of the first 10 constitutional amendments, he originally drafted a more, much more fiery version than we have today, what they finally settled on, one that included uh, the underlying rationale of the whole First Amendment. He said, the people shall not be deprived or abridged of their right to speak, to write, or to publish their sentiments, and the freedom of the press as one of the great bulwarks of liberty shall be inviolable. That's pretty powerful stuff. Real, uh, real clear reviews the history of liberals. They go through this long thing in their report on this survey that they've just published. They said um, the history of liberals who held more to free speech than the current progressives do said, but times change. They said liberals, the old style, old Democrat liberals were very different than these new progressive Democrats, so-called progressive. The controversial current push by social conservatives to denude public school libraries of content they dislike, the new Real Clear Opinion research poll said, is the latest to document the gradual change that has taken place on the left when it comes to free expression. Republican voters, 74%, and independents, 61%, believe, uh, believe speech should be legal under any circumstances. Nearly one-third of Democrat voters, 34%, say Americans have too much freedom. Although the majorities of Democrats, Republicans, and independents agree that news media should be able to report stories they believe are in, are in the national interest, this consensus shifts when it comes to social media censorship. Democrats are significantly more likely than Republicans to favor stifling free speech rights. Which brings us to this. Before policies of actual censorship are in place, self-censorship begins to take place. According to a recent study, people of faith in historically Christian countries are self-censoring themselves now so they can survive. Their religious beliefs are silent. I'm not criticizing them because I'm not in their shoes. But they stop expressing their faith. They serve the Lord in their heart, but they don't say it out loud. Self-censorship is sometimes what these people are really about. They're trying to so frighten the person of faith who believes the Bible, who believes the truth, that they will be silent. They will not speak up. They will not share their testimony. They will not be light in the darkness. They will not preach the gospel to their friends and to their neighbors, share, share Jesus Christ with them. And this is happening globally, all over the world. I read some of the statistics and some of the stories that are coming out of Mexico and Colombia. And other uh, Germany is one of the main places. Mexico, Colombia, Germany, France. All of these stories. We live in a time when we've got to decide 
whom we will serve. Thanks for being with me today. Thank you for your support. I'll see you tomorrow. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.